as you know, I'm a big Cam Akers guy, right? I'm expecting a lot in terms of 2021 fantasy production, but I did have to raise my eyebrow when I saw this on Twitter this past weekend. My man Cam tweeted, I want a girlfriend. He corrected himself quickly after Asterix's wife, my bad. Joey, is this simp behavior? Tweeting on a public platform as a famous athlete, I want a girlfriend? Or, <laughs> or, or is it straight genius? Because if you look at the replies, you got beautiful women in the comments saying, sup, hey, you know, I'll be in town. Let's link up. Let me cook for you. You know, this one guy responded saying, my sister's 27, DM for pics. Like that is absolutely insane. <laughs> Maybe he's just thinking on a higher plane than I am. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's simp behavior because he's not like doing anything in the, in the favor of women or trying to get something out of the women. Maybe he just genuinely wants a wife, somebody to be there for him, right? Love and connection. Yeah. And he's a football player and he's rich or he's going to be rich probably after his rookie deal. I, I, I like him tweeting that and it's going to be a good time for him. He's going to have lots of sex and I don't think he's a simp. Well, that, I mean, that holds a lot of weight when you say it because I, I had to double check from the mouths of a stone simp simp you know as as a stone simp yourself so <laughs> bro i'm gonna I'm keep it a whole hundred all right yeah right now mm-hmm. i i am the furthest thing from a simp imaginable yeah. uh, never never did any simp behavior a day in my life all right I'm, I'm a stone alpha okay i wear the pants yeah and i don't think the same could be said from you mm. all right i gotta expose you on the pod what, what, i gotta you're expose about to you say, on the pod whatever you're about to say will never make it onto the podcast but go ahead <laughs> no <laughs> this has to get made onto the podcast i'm about to expose ben mm-hmm. poker night with the boys on, yep. a, on a nice sunday afternoon love poker ben doesn't come you yeah. want to know why he doesn't come listeners because he had to give a tour of our doo-doo-ass city to a female. Friend. Female friend. Just let that sink in. What's the issue? I was born and raised here. She wanted to see what the city had to offer. Took for a little journey. <laughs> no. That is that What's is a issue? clear simp behavior right there. That's simp behavior? Yes. 100%. Ask any man. Going for a walk? Yes. No. I mean, I, I can't clown you, though, because, like... There's a lot of simps in the fantasy community, and you're part of the fantasy community. As are you. You kind of just fit in really well no. with the other simps in the fantasy community. Myself, not so much. Mm, there are a lot of simps, 100%. I agree with that. They're everywhere, especially lately. They seem to be you know, in a flurry on the timeline. And I think that that's why you've been sort of starting to gain traction lately on Twitter, because you're finally <laughs> being embraced by your people. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I, I think that I think that's a a good good time to end it because now you're just <laughs> now you're now you're just lying. Okay. Now now you're just lying. Yeah. And well, maybe I, I ain't never been a simple day in my life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 135 of the DFS Dose podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, look, it's in the title, okay? Time is running out. The NFL draft is three weeks away. And ADP in these early drafts, specifically in best ball, is drastically going to shift as the fantasy community begins to envelop itself in what I believe to be three months of groupthink, right? Because there's no news news stories, no major roster changes until, what, training camp in Mm -hmm. July? So 
three weeks is a long time, and that's a lot a long time to get action in in these best ball streets. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, highlighting a handful of players that Joey and I both believe are going to see massive spikes in their value post draft, and providing the listeners with some actionable information on why you should be going to get these guys now while you still can. We're going to highlight six of those players on today's show as well as give our thoughts on Sam Darnold being traded to Carolina and the fantasy implications of that move. If you're new to the podcast, like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use. We are on all of them. And if you'd like to, you can find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and also do live streams on Monday. But Joey, let's get right into this Sam Darnold situation to start things off. He was traded to the Panthers moments before we went live on our Monday night best ball stream. We gave some quick thoughts on stream, but we've had a few days to digest this move, form some solid opinions, and here's where I want to start. Okay, with the compensation. Carolina gave up a sixth round pick this year and two picks next year, a second and a fourth, three picks in total to acquire Sam Darnold from the Jets. Do you think that they gave up enough that it insinuates that Darnold is going to be a 17-game starter for the Panthers this season. No, I don't believe that. I mean, a six-round pick this year is nothing, right? Second-round pick next year is a pretty decent pick, and then another fourth-round pick next year. Yeah, I just don't believe that that's enough to commit to Sam Darnold for the full 17-game season, and they have the number eight pick. I would actually be surprised, though, if they do move up. I actually think that they really wanted Watson, but obviously mm-hmm. due to his situation, that's most likely not going to happen. If a quarterback does fall to eight, I would expect them to pick said quarterback, whether that be Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whoever. But as it stands right now, I am on the side that Sam Darnold will most likely be the starter for the entire season. But if a quarterback falls, they will take one in my opinion. I agree, but I I do think that this takes them out of the running for a massive trade up, right? Because if that's the route they wanted to take, they wouldn't be expending all these picks that they could have used as ammunition to move up higher in the draft. So yeah, like if the Lions, like you and I have talked about recently, if they you know, follow the path of all these mock drafts where there are potentially quarterbacks available that they should be drafting, but they opt to go with a wide receiver or, or something that they shouldn't. Well, then the Panthers are sitting right there at pick eight and something falls into their lap. And I don't think Sam Darnold would stop them from pulling the trigger. But I think that unlike with Teddy Bridgewater, they would be happy going into this year with Darnold as their starter. They were never going to be happy with Teddy Bridgewater as their starter going into this year. Yeah, definitely not this year. They were happy going going into the 2020 season with Teddy as their starter, but then they found out that he is basically a backup in the NFL. He's a slight upgrade over Teddy, Sam Darnold, that is. I still think he's a low floor, low ceiling option though, especially for fantasy. So I'm probably not targeting Sam Darnold this year in fantasy. I, I don't I don't know. I just don't think that we've seen enough of Sam Darnold to actually consider drafting him. And I honestly believe that we just truly don't know if he's a good quarterback in the NFL or not because he was limited by Adam Gase and a terrible Jets offense for three years. So it, it's it's hard to judge Sam Darnold at this point, but this will be the best supporting cast he's ever had. So. Yeah, by by quite a large margin. And I also think that we are clearly in agreement that 
the situation itself, even outside of the talent, is better being in the Joe mm-hmm. Brady scheme versus, you know, what is ultimately the most talent-sucking out scheme of all time in the Adam Gase system and the record of players, the track record of players who leave Adam Gase's system and go on to have, you know, better second halves of their careers and better situations is extent. So I wouldn't be shocked mm-hmm. to say to see Darnold have a really good year here in Carolina. Um, I think his ceiling is is relatively high. I guess I don't know how high I think it is. Maybe not QB one, but I think he could be a mid range QB two. But I do agree that his his floor is extremely low, right? Like he could just mm-hmm. be god awful. He could be, you know, just as bad, if not worse, than Teddy Bridgewater was for them. But uh, I think that the potential at least is there. He's got chemistry with Robbie and the the other supporting cast in Carolina is loaded. I we just haven't seen enough of Sam Darnold for myself to really consider taking him in a, in a best ball format so in terms of the supporting cast you know are you bullish that Darnold will be able to support them at their current ADPs you know something we talked about on the YouTube channel when we discussed who the 101 pick was for 2021 in fantasy you know we both said CMC we agreed it was CMC although it was possible that would change there was speculation he could get you know, traded to Houston as part of a deal for Deshaun Watson. Well, with that off the table, it seems like CMC is locked in to this system for another year. And I personally believe that he is now solidified as the 101 with a little more certainty around his situation for 2021. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is the 101. I think I would have him as the 101 with pretty much any quarterback in the NFL. They're going to use Christian McCaffrey in a variety of ways. He's going to be a big factor in the passing game. Obviously, he's great on the ground as well and has massive touchdown upside in that Joe Brady scheme. So I don't think it was ever a question that he wasn't the 101. But just in terms of of the wide receivers, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, I think they get a slight boost with Sam Darnold under center. I don't think it's a major boost from where they're going right now. Uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver 17 on drafters. Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver 35. So I would take them above those current ADPs. But like I mentioned, Sam Darnold is literally a slight upgrade over Teddy. And I don't think he's a quarterback that will elevate the players around him. So you're kind of just still betting on DJ Moore's talent, Robbie Anderson's talent, and obviously Christian McCaffrey's talent. As well as the departure of Curtis Samuel and all the targets that he's leaving behind, which I think bodes well for all three of these players. You know, they could always add another ancillary piece. Maybe Ian Thomas finally takes a step. But either way i mean i think that the talent is good enough that darnold has stacking viability in certain best ball formats and i think that all these guys are draftable cmc locked in at the 101 more there was some speculation that he would get a massive boost as deshaun watson was like you know the prevailing favorite to take over this job well we know that's not happening anymore so more and anderson i think they're kind of holds at their position, but Anderson mm-hmm. was a clear-cut value as it was going as the wide receiver 35. This is a man who had damn near 100 catches over 1,000 yards and uh, gets a slight quarterback improvement with a guy that he already has some chemistry with. So I'm, I'm big on Robbie Anderson. I think he's the biggest value of the group here. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. He's going as a wide receiver three right now with Darnold coming in. I think he can easily outperform that at his current ADP. So I like Robbie Anderson in drafts too. All right, let's move on to the next portion of the show. And we've talked about it a couple of times, the points in the offseason at which ADP takes its biggest shifts. The first one already happened. It was free agency. And the second one is coming soon. It will be the NFL draft. Biggest roster movement that we'll see from now until the season starts. And there are a couple of guys that 
we agree are our values as it currently stands and they may not be values for much longer people are going to get hip to this as the draft plays out but we're here to stay ahead of the curb so who is a guy that you want to kick this off with somebody that you believe their value could absolutely skyrocket post-draft if the listeners have been coming to our live streams and watching us draft best ball teams they they would have heard me said the player that i'm about to say and that's chase edmonds now i know that his value has already been increasing pretty dramatically over the last month, especially before free agency when Kenyon Drake was still on the team. Chase Edmonds was what, a round 11, round 12 pick. Mm-hmm. Now he's being drafted in the sixth round, uh, seventh round um, is where he went in our last draft as the RB27. So I know that obviously is a dramatic increase already, but I think after the draft, Chase Edmonds is a guy that will move up two or three more rounds from where he's currently going right now. The Cardinals only have two picks in the top 150 picks in the NFL draft, so I think that pretty much takes them out of contention from drafting a running back. They haven't went out and signed another running back in free agency like James Conner or let's say like Todd Gurley or somebody like that. They haven't done that yet. So Chase Edmonds, I mean, he's being drafted drafted as the RB27 with no Kenyon Drake there who Kenyon Drake finished as the RB16 in fantasy points last year and the RB26 in fantasy points per game I think Edmonds just has just has clear-cut opportunity to beat that and in a full 17 games I I think he's a top 20 running back Mm -hmm. if they don't add anybody else and like I said I'm not expecting them to add a running back through the draft and he's gotten endorsements from Cliff Kingsbury He's gotten an endorsement from the Cardinals general managers who said Chase Edmonds is an excellent player, but they're still monitoring the running back situation. Just think the arrow is just pointing upward for Chase Edmonds and even in round six as the RB27. I I think that he just beats that if he can make it out of the draft with without the Cardinals drafting a running back. So I guess I guess that's where you and I differ the most is that I just don't believe that he is going to be given the full opportunity that it seems like he should have right now. I mean, I believe that Chase Edmonds is a talented guy. We saw it on the field last year. He looked much better than Kenyon Drake did, but say the Cardinals do add James Conner or Todd Gurley or whomever. I mean, if that happened and you asked me, you know, who do I think is going to lead the Cardinals backfield in touches, it would be either of those other guys. I've just never seen it from Chase Edmonds. This is a man with two games over the last three years where he's had more than 20 touches in a single game. So, you know, this is the coaching staff he had last year. They didn't give him that work, even when Kenyon Drake struggled. And perhaps the biggest issue that I have with Chase Edmonds is the same issue that I have with Bills running backs and Ravens running backs. There is an elite quarterback as a rusher that is going to, you know, hurt the value of all these guys. And Kyler Murray might be the best one when it comes to the goal line and the touchdowns. And that, that I think is going to be the biggest problem to chase Edmonds value. I don't see that changing anytime soon with Kyler Murray and the way they utilize him in scoring position. That definitely hurts his upside on the ground, but Chase Edmonds is also a guy that factors into the passing game. He had, mm-hmm. what, nine games with five or more targets? So if we're getting those targets out of Chase Edmonds, I just think he's a clear-cut value. I'm not scared of James Conner. I think he's trash. Todd Gurley, he's probably out of the NFL. I can't name any other free agent running back off of the top of my head that is a better Peterson that is a better player than Chase Edmonds at this point in time and it's looking like the Cardinals are going to go into the season with Chase Edmonds as the RB1 and Eno Benjamin as the RB2 definitely not scared of that obviously the Kyler Murray uh, taking away rushing touchdowns is a concern but like I mentioned he has pass catching upside and he's still going to factor 
in on the ground. I'm not too concerned about how many touches he had over the last two years with Kenyon Drake, who they wanted to use as their workhorse. Uh, still there doesn't concern me one bit yeah I'm just way too high on Chase Edmonds I mean I I agree with the majority of what you're saying especially with the possibility and the upside he offers as a dual threat back you know he had 32 career receptions coming into last year and then he you know absolutely exploded with a career high 53 had 850 combined yards uh, through the air and on the ground last year and if they don't add anybody then yeah I mean this is like a third round pick or a fringe fourth round pick however you want to say it so there is definitely still value there and uh, their draft capital which you mentioned is very scarce I think I think it's definitely possible maybe I don't believe it but the argument is good for it and I think I think that uh, you could find yourself getting paid off for this take like I said I've been saying this over the last month and I've been getting some shares of Chase Edmonds but he, he's going to be one of the biggest risers. And as it stands right now, he's the clear-cut biggest winner of the free agency period. Uh, now we just have to make it through the draft for fantasy, I should say. Yep, yep. I'm going to keep it going here with a running back that I am a big fan of. Again, if you've been watching the streams, you know. Uh, I might have taken this man in every single stream we've done up to this point. No joke. Uh, James Robinson, who's going as the RB17 on drafters. ADP is in the third round, top of the third round. Let me just start off by naming a few players who scored less fantasy points per game than James Robinson last year. Jonathan Taylor, first round pick in fantasy this year. Cam Akers, first round pick in fantasy this year. Nick Chubb, Zeke Elliott, two guys who were first round picks in fantasy this year. DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson. All of these guys are consistently being drafted above James Robinson. This man was sixth in fantasy points per game at the running back position, scoring 17.9 on average last year in a god-awful offense quarterbacked by Gardner Minshew, Long Neck Mike Glennon, and Jake Luton. Okay? Bye-bye to these trash can quarterbacks. It's Trevor Lawrence time, right? Bye-bye to Doug Marone. Urban Myers here. All right, there's nowhere for this offense to go but up. This offense is absolutely going to skyrocket courtesy of Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know. I just I just don't see it. I think the workload is secure. The only other running backs on this depth chart are Carlos Hyde and Daria Gumbawale. Yeah, okay, buddy. These bums are not mm-hmm. eating in to J-Rob's workload, okay? Worst case scenario is they add somebody in the draft, but by all accounts, this running back class has a steep drop-off after the first two guys, and I don't think Jacksonville's really in the running for Harris or ETN. I don't see anybody in this class really posing a threat to James Robinson, even if they do add him. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I don't think they'll add you know a quality starter at the running back position through the draft, and I think that's also what kind of scares people is James Robinson has no draft capital, and I, I think that's why a lot of people are off of him this year because they're assuming that the Jags are going to add a running back and they're assuming that James Robinson is going to split touches with whoever they add or or he's going to split touches with Carlos Hyde. I just don't see it happening. I mean, James Robinson was one of the best running backs in the NFL last year. He was better than some of the running backs that are being drafted ahead of him. So even in the third round, he's being drafted as what the RB 17. That is still a value. I think he's a clear cut RB one going into the 2021 season with Trevor Lawrence incoming and with Urban Meyer, who I think is the biggest factor. I mean, he's just a winner. Um, Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer has a long track record going back to his Bowling Green State days where he comes in and he turns programs around. He turns 
turns teams around for the better. And I think he's going to do that with the Jags who have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So I think the arrow is just pointing upward for James Robinson. And I mean, if you're the Jags, why not use your undrafted rookie running back who you don't have much capital into? Why not just run him into the ground? Mm. Uh, It's definitely the smart thing to do. Uh, Urban Meyer knows that. And I think the Jags front office knows that because they haven't went out and signed any running back besides Carlos Hyde, who at this point in his career is just a journeyman running back. And he's not a threat to James Robinson's workload. So he's not. And another part of this that you know stands out to me and makes James Robinson a phenomenal pick is all these guys that are being drafted above him are already in guaranteed workload splits. You know, the worst thing that could happen to James Robinson is maybe he's in a workload split, but at least he has the opportunity not to be and to dominate touches the same way he did last year. Antonio Gibson is losing receptions to McKissick. I don't care what anybody says. Swift is going to lose carries to somebody. I don't know who that is. Nick (laughs) Chubb is losing 35% minimum backfield snaps to Kareem Hunt. Zeke, maybe he holds off Pollard. You know, maybe JT dominates touches again, or maybe Naheem Hines is back in there stealing work. So James Robinson, if you ask me, is borderline worthy of a first round pick. I'm not taking him there because I don't have to, but if the price adjusts, I will still draft him at the back end of the first, top end of the second round. As long as he's in the third round, he is going to be clear cut my highest owned player in best ball. I'm drafting him there every trip. And that's that's really yeah. all I have to say about it. <laughs> in the last draft that we did on Monday, James Robinson went um, with the first pick in the fourth round. Um, so, so that kind of gives you some context and some running backs that were taken above them. Like you mentioned, Swift, JK Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, all running backs that will probably lose work to other running backs in their backfield. All right. I think that's, I think that's good on these two running backs. Let's move on to a pair of quarterbacks that we are bullish on. And, uh, and who's your guy here? My guy is a rookie quarterback and that's Justin Fields. And I, I know we touched on it on the podcast last week with Matt, about Justin Fields, but I'm I'm insanely high on him. I think he's the second best quarterback in the class to Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's a day one starter in the NFL. Now, I'm still holding out hope that the Niners will draft him at three instead of Mac Jones, but nonetheless, Fields is the guy that I'm targeting as my quarterback three. There's some speculation that Mac Jones like is the pick, and I know Schefter reported like he'd be surprised. He also said he would be surprised if the Jets traded Sam Darnold. So mm. Schefter can be wrong. In certain situations. So basically uh, you're saying Schefter doesn't know shit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Schefter, Schefter is the GOAT. But okay. he, he can be wrong, and I'm hoping that he's wrong on this um, because I think Justin Fields just has a way higher ceiling than Mac Jones. But just getting back to the Justin Fields take, yeah, I mean, I, j- I just think that as a quarterback three, he has the ceiling to outperform his ADP in round 14 and his ADP of quarterback 26. If he plays all 17 games this season, he's finishing as a top 14 quarterback. I'll put that on record. Obviously, there's the concern where he might not play 17 games depending on where he goes in the draft. And I I think that's the draft's biggest storyline right now is will Justin Fields fall? And I, I don't know if he will. I'm hoping he doesn't. But I, I think he can get on the field with some other teams in the top eight or top nine, maybe if the Broncos get him. So I'm I'm holding out hope for Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that has the rushing ability to propel him into the top 15 quarterbacks for fantasy football. And I would bank on that 
in these uh, best ball tournaments, especially in rounds 14, 15, 16, where you can get him in that round. And I'm taking him above some of the other quarterbacks that are going in that range. Mm -hmm. We did talk about this, like you referenced last week on our podcast where Matt Hicks joined. And I would highly recommend any listeners go back and check that out. If you have any curiosities about this upcoming rookie class, we went in depth on all this offensive talent. And, and basically what Matt told us and what you clearly agree with is that Fields, because of what he does as a rusher, has a higher upside than some of these quarterbacks that are likely to get drafted ahead of him. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, maybe even Trey Lance. Um, you know, this is a guy whose upside rivals Trevor Lawrence, at least from a fantasy perspective, just because what he does as a rusher. And we know that that is what you need to be able to do as a quarterback to make an impact in fantasy in this day and age. Yeah, 100%. And Justin Fields averaged 55 rushing yards at Ohio State. So if you're getting an extra 50 yards out of your quarterback on the ground in terms of fantasy, like that's just huge. God, I'm just hoping that he can play the full season. Like I'm just praying because him and Jalen Hurts are going to be my highest on quarterbacks before the draft comes and in mm. all of these basketball drafts over the next three weeks. They have what we want, fantasy, and that's the ability to run the ball. And if Fields gets on a team where they utilize his ability, the sky's the limit for him. He could be he could be a quarterback one uh, in his rookie year. I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think if we were playing a cash format of best ball, I might be a little less yeah. bullish because I think the floor may be lower than these guys, especially in terms of potential games started. Because when you look at some of the teams that he might find himself on, if things don't go, you know, amazing for him and he lands with the 49ers, you know, he could be on the Lions, where I don't know if he's starting over Jared Goff in week one. You know, he could be with the Broncos, where it seems like it would be a situation where he's in a competition with Drew Locke be at a competition that he would obviously eventually win, but it could be a situation where he, you know, is coming in in week four, week five, or even with the Panthers, he could be behind Darnold at first. So I don't know. I think that, you know, Zach Wilson will go to the Jets and he'll get 16 games. Lawrence will go to the Jags. He'll get 16 games. I think Mac Jones will get 16 games in all likelihood with the 49ers. I don't know if Fields is going to get 16 games. In terms of uh, upside, though, he's clear-cut in a different tier from those guys. I'm not locking in Mac Jones to the Niners. That's just me. I I still think the pick is Fields, and I think that's the right pick, and I'm holding out hope that that they make the right pick. All right. Well, another quarterback that I think we both agree on is, is poised for a big year in 2021 is Tua with the Dolphins. Look, Tua got the raw end of the stick last year, right? He was recovering from a major injury, had a shortened offseason due to COVID. And the Dolphins, I think, unexpectedly found themselves in the playoff hunt. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was just there, you know, ready to win some games like he always is when he's called upon. So not a great situation for Tua to step into. But I don't think that that, you know, sentiment is going to last for very long. I think that eventually there is going to be hype built around Tua. And it's just a matter of when that time comes. Say the Dolphins don't use pick number six on a wide receiver like they're being projected to. If you tell me right now that Tua's offensive surroundings are what they are right now, I'm hype as a bitch. We got Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and then, you know what, Preston Williams or Lynn Bowden as fourth or fifth options. That is not bad. And then you add in the factor of a potential addition of Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or whoever they take in the first round. This surrounding cast could be absolutely straight up elite. The real downside with Tua is if he's bad, 
right? That's the only thing. Maybe he's not a good quarterback. You know, I don't believe that for one second. I just think like, like I said at the beginning, he was in a bad situation, but I think that situation is much better. If the Dolphins had concerns about Tua, they would not have been trading out of the third pick. They were in prime position to grab Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever they wanted and give Tua some legit competition. They chose not to. They traded back into a spot where they're likely to add weapons and support Tua. I think Tua is being completely undervalued in these drafts going as the quarterback 22. His ADP is round 13. I'm taking him above Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, like all of these guys, even maybe Trevor Lawrence in year one could struggle more than Tua does in this potentially breakout of a second season. I'm, I'm all aboard the Tua train uh, in Miami for year two. Yeah, I think Tua will definitely have a bounce back year this year. Like you said, his supporting cast is pretty elite right now or almost elite. And if they add a wide receiver at the number six pick, it will become elite if it's not already. Now, will I draft him above Kirk Cousins? No. Will I draft him above Trevor Lawrence? No. I just think those guys have a little bit more upside, but I still think Tua is being undervalued. Um, I think he could be a top 15 quarterback this year. And just in terms of best ball, I mean, Tua was willing to push the ball downfield last year. Like he was willing to take shots. Now, did he connect on those shots? No, he didn't. But if we can get those big plays out of Tua and the Dolphins wide receivers this year, I think the ceiling is higher than it was last year. Like you mentioned, he just got the the raw end of the stick like he just everything went against Tua last year injury no training camp no preseason no OTAs had to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick then they were playing like a cat and mouse game putting Fitzpatrick in sitting Tua starting Tua it was it was just a hell of a rookie year for him and I I think going into his sophomore year this is a player that's shown in college that he can be an elite quarterback and I think he could show that this year with all of the uh, weapons around him and with a great coaching staff in Miami so yeah. Like you said, you know, he he's not afraid to push the ball downfield. It just wasn't connecting. Well, coaching staff saw that and what did they do? They brought in Will Fuller, possibly the best deep threat in the NFL, maybe second best behind Tyreek Hill. So yeah, I think that this coaching staff is setting him up for success. And uh, I'm all aboard this Tua train. Yep. All right. Two more guys, one each. And uh, your next guy here is somebody who might uh, be very close with Tua in just a matter of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. My guy, my third guy is another rookie, Jamar Chase. And I just feel he's a bargain right now because the draft hasn't happened yet. I I think that's why he's the bargain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, landing spot matters and don't want to get into the debate of talent or landing spot. I know that's kind of a big thing in the fantasy community. I think both matter. But with Jamar Chase, I I think no matter where he goes, he's going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. He has everything you want in an elite wide receiver, right? Great hands, great route running, big playability. He can win contested catches at a at a very high rate. And in 2019, with Justin Jefferson on that LSU team, he led the FBS and set SEC records with 1,780 receiving yards, 20 touchdowns on 84 catches in 14 games. He is a 41-inch vertical, ran a 4.38 at the LSU Pro Day. He's just an absolute beast. And he's going to elevate whatever offense he goes to. If you can get a player like that in the sixth round or as a wide receiver three, he's going as a wide receiver 33 right now on drafters. I'll bet on his raw talent no matter the landing spot, no matter who his quarterback is. Mm -hmm. And if he goes to Miami, he's the wide receiver one, 100%. 
I just want to compare it to last season. It's a very similar situation with his former teammate, Justin Jefferson, who I just referenced, who was being drafted as the wide receiver 48 last year, albeit not as drastic because Chase is the wide receiver 33 right now. I, I still think it's a very similar situation where we weren't considering just the, the pure talent of a guy like Justin Jefferson last year. And I still think in the sixth round with Jamar Chase, we're really not considering his talent fully this is a guy that I think should be getting drafted in round three or round four in best ball and I just want to put it on record like Jamar Chase is a better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson and and Justin Jefferson lit up the NFL last year so I mean that's not a fire take no that's not bold Jamar Chase is clear-cut better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson wow you know I, I was reading about him earlier on Twitter and people were debating you know is he the best wide receiver prospect in the last five or so years and the prevailing opinion was that you know CD Lamb was the only one close in terms of just raw prospect and Chase might be better than that so I don't know I mean I I take what you're saying and that sounds all good to me he could land in a couple of great spots um, you know, the Bengals, I think would be great for him. I think it would be good to land in the Dolphins. If those teams pass on him and he somehow ends in the Lions, I don't know if if I would be bullish on him in year one with Jared Goff there. That remains to be seen, but the upside is absolutely there. And, you know, like we talked about, Matt Hicks was on the podcast last week. He said that he has Chase projected as, you know, a high-end wide receiver too already without a landing spot projecting him as the wide receiver 14 in the same range as you know Robert Woods Mike Evans and and guys like that so you know the upside is absolutely there on Jamar Chase and people who know more about him than me are super bullish on it so uh, I'm willing to uh, vibe with the people who know what they're talking about yeah I mean like I like I mentioned in the beginning he's just a clear-cut value right now because we don't know where he's going. And I think people are afraid to draft him higher than where he's going right now because of that fact. So, yep, that checks out to me. All right, let's uh, close it out here. I've got one more guy that I want to name, and this man is going deep. We're talking wide receiver 89 on drafters. This man is like a, a wide receiver nine, final round pick type of joint. And it's a man that we've been talking about on this podcast since the podcast started three years ago and he was a rookie. You know, he still hasn't broken out, but I think this is the season for Treyway, aka Treyquan Smith. Joe, are you are you feeling this take or no? Because I know we I know we all started on the Treyway bandwagon, but I don't know if I might be the only one left. Yeah, you're probably the only one left. I mean, God, if you're getting him in the 20th round, I mean, why not, right? That's what what I'm saying. But also, there's a lot of uncertainty with the Saints offense. He hasn't shown that he can put it together for a full season in three years in the NFL. I like him. I think he's a talented wide receiver. But with Drew Brees leaving and Taysom Hill maybe being the starter going into the season and God, who knows what they're going to do with Jameis Winston. I don't don't know. I think the only draftable guys right now on the Saints are Michael Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara honestly. You see, that uncertainty and that exact perspective is why I believe Traquan Smith will see a massive spike in value once the situation becomes clear. Drew Brees leaving this team is not a bad thing for Traquan Smith. I mean, two out of his three years in the NFL up to this point have been at the tail end of Drew Brees' career and at, at a point in his career where he was in deep decline. Like, not It wasn't like a steady decline. It was a deep, deep decline these last two years for Drew Brees. This man was barely, you know, a starting NFL quarterback in terms Mm -hmm. of the production he was putting up. So if you tell me that Jameis Winston 
is throwing the ball for the majority of this season for the Saints. And that's that's what I believe to be happening. You know, I've been going back and forth and I've been thinking about this situation a lot. I, I think, and I would put money on this take, that Jameis Winston will account for over 75% of the pass attempts in the Saints offense. I think, you know, Taysom Hill is going to be involved, maybe involved enough to depress Jameis's fantasy value, but I think all in all, Taysom Hill isn't going to be throwing the ball enough to really negatively impact the pass catchers on this team. And, you know, they don't really have much outside of, like you said, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Jared Cook is gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. That's 121 vacant targets in this offense. Maybe they draft someone, you know, maybe Marquez Callaway gets involved more, but Traquan is 24 years old. He's 6'2". He's fast. He's a deep threat. He does something very different from Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think the role is there, and I think that Jameis Winston could be by far the best thrower of the football that he's had, you know, when you account for the decline in Drew Mm -hmm. Brees' production the last couple of years. I I think that's just like kind of like a good thing to hit on is if you do have, have a take like that with you believe that Jameis Winston is going to be the guy, then you do take advantage of Traquan Smith's ADP. And if, if it works out, you know, you're setting yourself apart from pretty much everybody else, especially if Traquan has a good year. And it's like the same thing with with Fields for me. I, I think that he's going to be a starter day one. And if you can capitalize on a, on a guy like that or on a guy like Traquan Smith in these later rounds, you're going to have a much a higher advantage over your opponents. So I would just advise people to just bet, to do what you said, bet on your takes. And sometimes you're going to be wrong, but if you know what you're talking about and you believe that you're going to be right, you can make a lot of money, mm-hmm. especially if it does end up being right. So yeah, and, I mean, and my and my final note on that too is when you're drafting somebody in the 17th, 18th, 19th round, you're the risk is completely mitigated. Like, yeah. yeah, there's definitely upside for some of these other guys, like you know James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Jamar Chase. Like, there's upside for them to surpass their ADP, but it'll be harder because their ADPs are higher. Traquan Smith would not need to do that much to beat wide receiver 89, and you know, say he has a decent season, he's like a wide receiver four. He finishes in the wide, you know, like a, as a wide receiver. Or 40 or 50, he's still smashing this value. So, you know, the what it takes to succeed with these later round picks is it's so much less. So I think that those are the guys you should be especially bullish on, you know. Be willing to embrace the fact that you're probably wrong sometimes with your other takes. So, you know, you spread out your exposures. But with these guys, I'll hammer these values all day long because if I miss on them, what is that doing? It's not it I, I miss a 17th round pick. Oh, big deal. But if you smash on it, you are sailing to the money. And that's something that I'm really really trying to emphasize this season in best ball is going hard for those late round values that that we have conviction in yep i mean i definitely agree and i think that's what can can win you a best ball league especially in a format like drafters with their best ball tournament where it's just the team that scores the most points if traquan smith has a good year and has a couple pop-off weeks that that could be the difference so it could All right, man. I mean, that was a solid episode of the podcast here. You know, we covered a lot, you know, Cam Akers, simp status, Joey, simp status, you know, it's all up in the air. We have Darnold to the Panthers and these six guys that we named. I would encourage anybody listening to hop in the Discord chat. There are a couple guys that we wanted to hit on that may not be in here. I'm going to throw those in the Discord tomorrow when this episode drops. So if you guys want to join the Discord for free and see a couple more guys that we're going to be targeting late, I would definitely advise that you do so. Get in the Discord. Link is in in the description. And if you haven't already, I mean, we're we're in the best ball streets on drafters and their tournament right now. 
has what like 2,000 entries or a little bit under there there might be some overlay in it and mm. if you're a grinder you want tournaments with overlays so if you're listening and you want to draft uh go over to drafters and hop in their best ball championship i mean it literally could be free money yeah i mean honestly it, it's on the path for some overlay it yeah. really is 100 and that's great for the consumer yeah absolutely but that is going to be it for episode 135 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at the dfs dose i'm at ben hover joey is at joey carry and dfs New episodes of the podcast drop every Thursday on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We will be back on Thursday, April 15th with episode 136. Check out the live streams every Monday on the YouTube channel. We have an AJ Dillon debate video hitting the YouTube channel this Saturday, so check that out. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.